to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and I am finally back to recording episodes. Oh my goodness, it's been such a long break, guys. I'm so happy to be back doing this. I got moved, I got a new job, and I'm starting to get a little bit settled, so I'm trying to start to get caught up on recordings. And I figured that doing a kill grade on Fear Street, which was such a popular movie, would be a good idea. So I'm here to grade and rank the kills from Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Now, this movie, I went into it with, I guess, kind of high expectations. There was a huge marketing campaign from this from Netflix. I saw that, you know, Maya Hawk was in this. I was really excited for the cast. I thought that this was going to be really fun. And the entire, like, internet was talking about this movie when it came out. Everybody on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, like, you couldn't sneeze without finding a review of this movie somewhere and somebody praising it. Now, my opinion of this movie is that it's all right. It's it's fine. It's a fun movie, but I didn't really enjoy it as much as other people did. For starters, I didn't grow up with the Fear Street novels. I understand that this is its own story with, I think, some or half of its own characters. So I can't really speak to of how nostalgic this movie felt because, again, I didn't grow up with those books nor can I really speak to how well the movie captured the essence or feel that those books brought. But like I said, I kind of just felt like that this was just, you know, another streaming slasher movie that is very well directed, and I love how stylized it is. I do give it credit for that. It is a very well-constructed movie. Filmmaking-wise, it looks great. It's really what where it loses me are kind of like in the writing and in the screenplay. First of all, I didn't find the characters to be that likable. I, I, I That's one of my biggest complaints, that there was just nobody in this movie that I, I don't know, just found myself rooting for at the end. For example, Dina, our kind of final girl in this, she's a very strong female character, which is great, but I just, I found her to be extremely toxic especially the way that she treated Sam in this, and it was reason enough for me to not be on board the Dina hype train. You broke up with me, remember? So stop acting like I'm the bad guy. Yeah, well, I'm not the one who moved to Sunnyvale. Okay, you made the choice. I just made it official. My parents got divorced. I didn't have a choice. Oh, come on. You just couldn't wait to start your new fake life with your fake-ass mom? And as someone who is a product of divorce and did have to make tough decisions like this, they are extremely difficult, and the last thing that is needed is the pressure of what is at most a high school fling. So I, the whole time during this, I was like, Dina, just shut the fuck up and fuck off. Get over yourself. The other characters to me were just pill pushers and dumb caricatures of beloved horror icons, and I'm looking specifically at you, Simon, for being a poor man's stew mocker with that impression the entire movie. What? The, the dude was wearing a Halloween skull mask. How is that not fun? Liver alone. <laughs> Ow, liver, liver, liver. Which leads me to my second big gripe with this movie. I get that a lot of people loved how much this movie felt like Scream, and I will admit, at times, it did work. The references were good. But my issue is that it felt more like it was ripping off Scream rather than paying respectful homage. There are so many Scream references, and you, you all know, Scream is one of my favorite movies. So, you know, I love a Scream reference as much as, as the next guy, but there was just so many. Here, there was the opening kill with Heather, the skull face outfit looking very reminiscent to the ghost face outfit. 
I already mentioned Simon trying to be like a stew. Uh, there is the scene where there's a student running down the hallway with a dead Heather mannequin. Very much copy and paste from a ghost-faced kid in Scream running down the hallway and antagonizing Sydney a little bit. And the music is virtually the same. And the music was the same because they hired the same exact composer, Marco Beltrami, who is brilliant. But see if you can even tell the difference between these two clips. See how similar it is? Now, all of this individually, by itself, it's fine. It's fine to have, those are great references by themselves, I think. But if you're going to be this heavy-handed in mimicking a movie, at least provide your own voice to it and add to the conversation of its predecessor. Scream is directly commenting on the horror genre as a whole in the state it was at during the 1990s. There is no commentary here for, like, children's horror or the books or really much of anything. In fact, I'm having a difficult time trying to see what this movie set out to do and accomplish. Now, that might be my own fault because I haven't finished the trilogy. Maybe once I watch the trilogy, I'll get it, but I still kind of feel like I should have an idea of like what you're trying to say with an installment on its own. This is exactly why you have no friends. Okay, okay, okay. With all that said, I know a lot of people like this, and there are some positives to take away from this movie. The overall filmmaking was great. I do love how stylized it was. There was some good poppy colors and direction in this. I, all of that was great. Like I said, it mostly came down to the screenplay and the writing. Fear Street Part 1 was written and directed by Lee Janiak, who also wrote two episodes of the Scream MTV series, which kind of makes sense. She loves Scream. She is also married to Ross Duffer, who is one of the Duffer brothers who created Stranger Things, which makes a lot of sense because there are some Stranger Things vibes and elements to this. And I mean that in a respectful way, in that Janiak came up with her own vibes herself, not that Duffer had a role in this at all. Don't hear what I'm not saying. And back to the music that I mentioned, the music in this is great, and it sounds exactly like Scream, and that's because Marco Beltrami was the musical composer for both movies. Again, th that would have been awesome by itself without all the other heavy-handed references, but, like, I don't know, have your own voice, hire a different person, like, come up with something new, please. <sighs> I don't know. Again, I'm so sorry. I know a lot of people love this movie, but I just... I, I find myself being frustrated with it. I also do find it really interesting that Kyle Killen, who was one of the story writers for this, is credited as a creator for the upcoming Halo TV series in 2022. Very interesting. I'll be very intrigued to see if that actually comes to fruition. I also really enjoyed the very passive re representation that's in this movie. We have persons of colors in leading roles and members of the LGBTQ community as, you know, our leading couple in this. So I dig all of that. I, I love the passive re representation. I thought that was great. And that kind of leads me to why we're here today, which are the kills. The kills are a pretty good strong point in this movie, and I'm happy to say that they showed a lot of teeth with their kills here. It, it was a strong point in the movie. They didn't really shy away, so I'm very excited to 
rank and grade the kills here. Now, if you're new to my kill grade episodes or just need a reminder, here's how today is going to go. I will go through the movie kill by kill and grade it on three categories, shock, method, and style, each earning up to five points. At the end of the episode, I will tally them all up and rank them from worst to best. Also, before I get to the actual kill grading, there's a bunch of kills in this movie that happen off screen and we just happen to pan over their bodies. I'm skipping those because it, it'd be kind of boring for me to sit here and go, oh, there's this dude in the mall at, I don't know, zero points. So I'm kind of just going to ch- trim the fat there and just do on-screen kills of characters that we see die. So without any more delay, let's go ahead and get to the kill grading. Spoilers await if you haven't been spoiled already. Shit, I should have said at the beginning. Up first is Heather, played by Maya Hawk. It is after hours in the Shadyside Mall, where Heather is trying to close up shop for the bookstore she works at, B. Dalton's, when she is attacked by a man donning a skeleton costume, and I will refer to him as Skullface, because why not have another Scream reference? After an intense cat-and-mouse chase with Skullface inside the mall, he finally catches up to Heather in a dramatic slow-mo shot, stabbing her in the back, bringing her to the ground, in which he gets on top of her and stabs her in the chest, killing her. However, Heather does still have enough life in her to pull the mask off of her assailant to reveal that it is her friend Ryan. Shortly after doffing the skull mask, he is shot between the eyes by Sheriff Nick Good. And just like that, we have our first two kills in the opening scene. There are a ton of things to like about this opening kill. Heather's death is extremely similar to Drew Barrymore slash Casey Beckert's death from Scream. And I like that this is a reference from Scream that was... It was kind of ripping it off, but I appreciate that the, they at least attempted sort of here to add their own voice to it, in which we actually got to see her pull the mask off. We got to see who her, assa- who her assailant was. I actually really appreciated that much of it. And it was a pretty good chase scene with the amazing Marco Beltrami score. And it's stylized so well with that black lit coloring. It's very cool, very poppy, and I love that we're in a mall. It's I liked this. Okay, I'll admit, I did like all this. My only complaint is that it could have gone on a little bit longer, I think. So for Heather, I gave her 11 points. I gave her 4 points for shock, because I was pretty surprised that they killed off Maya Hawk. And again, it's Drew Barrymore syndrome. I was pretty surprised by that. Method, I only gave it 2 points because it was, you know, simple stabbing, but... I gave it two instead of one because she was stabbed, dragged to the ground, and stabbed again in slow-mo and a nice ending to a chase scene. So I guess I'll give it two points. Style, five points. Uh, This is, like I said, a scream reference that actually worked for me for the most part. Um, I love the black lighting, the Marco Beltrami dramatic score, and it's very enjoyable. And like I said, there's the subtle differences between this and Scream in that, you know, we see the mask being taken off of Ryan. So I like this a lot. So Heather, you got 11 points. Now, Ryan, I gave Ryan nine points and that might sound surprisingly high, but hear me out for a second. Shock, I gave him a full five points because this was the one I was the most surprised about because I was expecting Ryan to be the killer for the whole movie before I actually knew the twist of this. And so I was extremely surprised that he was killed off just like that. Now, Method, I gave him two points because, I mean, being shot in a horror movie, it's very 
uninteresting to just be shot in a movie, but it was a headshot, so I'll give it two points there. Style, I'm just going to give it two points here. Uh, not a whole lot to it. I, I mean, I, I can't just give him all the style points that I gave Heather, right? Right? So I just give him two points because there wasn't a whole lot of flair to his death because it was very sudden and most of that's going to shock. But I did love the special effects of the blood oozing and pouring from his gunshot wound in his head. It did look really good and pretty gnarly. So I'll give it two points for style. Again, earning Ryan nine points. Now we are about halfway through the movie at the Shady Side Emergency Room, where Dina is confronting Sam and asking her to have her new boyfriend, Peter, to stop stalking her and her friends. Sam and Dina get into a very heated argument. Oh, nice. Stop covering for him. He's a bad guy, Sam. You're out of control. You put me in the hospital, and now you're here yelling at me, okay. which I... And the tension in the room is literally cut with a knife as Peter is stabbed through the chest and his collapsing body reveals the killer to be Skullface. A chase scene then starts in which Skullface runs after Dina and Sam. The two girls get to the waiting room where they find a murdered receptionist. While hiding from Skullface, Nurse Betty walks in telling Skullface that they cannot wear masks in the ER. Even though Skullface is vaccinated, he'd rather keep his mask on and, ex and he expresses his disapproval of Betty's authority by stabbing Nurse Betty in the neck, causing blood to gush everywhere. After a quick wrestling match with Skullface and a bite from Sam, they escape his grimly deeds and escape in a stolen ambulance with Kate, Simon, and Josh. So out of this couplet of death, we start off with Peter, which I only gave him six points. His death was honestly... Pretty boring, and was mostly used to transition them from fighting to being chased by Skullface. So for Shock, I gave it only two points. I was very much expecting this character to not make it out of the movie. Um, but I gave it an extra point just because it was at least a little abrasive when it did happen during their argument. Method, eh, I just gave it a one. It's stabbing through the chest is nothing super exciting. For style, I gave it three points. This was kind of the best part of the kill, really, were the effects. We got to see the knife come through the chest, and it is dripping blood and kind of covered in flesh and guts and all sorts of stuff. So, And the sound design and effects around it are very visceral. So that was kind of the best part of it was the style and effects. So I gave that three points. So again, totaling to six points for Peter. Now for Nurse Betty... I honestly kind of had a hard time with this because I actually really like this kill, but there wasn't a whole lot of like flashy things about this. So I gave Nurse Betty seven and a half points. Shock, one and a half. Again, I wasn't really surprised that this character was killed off. I was more just like, oh, I forgot Nurse Betty's in this movie because I kind of forgot that they were in it. So when they walked back in on screen, I was like, oh, it's pretty obvious what's about to happen here. So just one and a half points for Shock. Method, I gave it three points. While it was stabbing and stabbing is nice, it was a stab in the neck, and that is always super brutal and gnarly, and it just looked really good. Also, super appreciate that they don't shy away from it at all, which is bleeding into my style, which I gave it three points as well. Again, not shying away from showing that blade going to the neck. 
blood gushes everywhere. It's you just gotta love it. So I gave it three points for style. Again, totaling Nurse Betty to seven and a half points. Now, we are moving at a pretty quick pace here because there aren't a whole lot of kills in between scenes here, and there are kills that kind of quickly happen in flashbacks. I'm not counting those. I'm not James A. Janese. The gang is in the grocery store that Simon works at, Grab and Bag, and they are hiding out there. They realize that they need to kill Sam via ODing on some drugs and resuscitating her with EpiPens, which is a horrible plan IRL. Do not do that. After Kate MacGyver's a flamethrower and burns half a Skullface, she is now hiding behind a counter in the bakery section. Skullface catches her by surprise and by the hair. He attempts to suffocate her in a cake by shoving her face in one. He then lifts her head out of the cake and stabs her in the abdomen, then proceeds to throw her on a table where he slowly and very evilly pushes her head first into a bread slicer. Her head is quickly turned into a wonder bread that is spread with her own jam. By jam, I mean blood. Shortly after Kate's demise, Simon and Josh discover her mangled head and are standing in shock. An axe from the Nightwing Killer quickly comes down on the head of Simon. And just like that, two of the main characters have met their fates. Let's see how the grades look. Alrighty. Uh, that's something that I'm, I am now kind of realizing. This movie's at deaths kind of came in pairs. So we just had Kate and Simon. Kate, I gave Kate a perfect 15 for her death. Honestly, just the standout from the movie and a high point in the movie as well. Shock, five. Super surprising that they killed off the main character like Kate, especially right after we got to see her make a makeshift flamethrower. So it kind of gave you a false sense of security. Like, oh, she's super strong. She's super smart. She'll get away, get out of this. Nope, she got sliced into bread. Method, oh my goodness, five points. I mean, this is just a crazy method. I love this. It's so unique and original. I, I will give movie a lot of points here for that. It's great. Uh, five points for using a bread slicer to slice someone's head into bread. It, it's great. Style, again, five points. The camera does not pan away. Actually, we get a really awesome, like, steady track with this, and we get to see her head go through and through. And, and it, the sound effects and sound design around it, it's very visceral. It, it's, it's really good. So Kate got a perfect 15. It's well done, well done. I also want to throw in that I found this YouTube series called Netflix IRL, and they do Mythbusters-like experiments from Netflix movies and test to see if they could be done. And they did test this bread slicer kill to see if it could actually go through a human skull, just like how we saw on Fear Street. So we can see that the skin is completely gone on the top, and we can see the cuts. If you touch it, you can definitely feel that it was starting to cut through. Yeah, this, this would have hurt. Links for that video will be in the show notes if you're interested. It's pretty cool stuff. Alrighty, this leads us to our last kill of the movie, which was Simon, and I'm not counting Sam because they resuscitated her, so, eh. Anyways, Simon got nine points, three all across the board, three for shock, it was super sudden and less than a minute after Kate's death, it also broke the tension of Simon and Josh's grim discovery of Kate. I didn't give this a full five or even a four just because as soon as Kate 
went out, I was like, oh shit, we're probably about to have a domino effect and see all these guys get killed. So I was actually more surprised that others didn't get killed off. Method three, axes are a pretty common murder weapon in horror, but a forceful strike like that to the head was pretty damn good. So I gave it three points. And style, I will give it some style here because it was very sudden. I really felt the force from it with the camera and the sound effects, and there's just so much blood. It was really great. So I gave it three points. Again, Simon earned nine, three all across the board. With Simon being the final on-screen death in Fear Street 1994, let's take a quick break and then I'll recap the grades. Welcome to Books Boys! Every month, the Dean and PJ tell you all about the books they've been reading and make some recommendations from our old favorites, plus surprise call-ins from authors to talk about the works that they're writing, original music, prize giveaways, and more. That's Books Boys on BooksBoys.com and all good podcatchers. Books Boys. Get it. Buy it. Alrighty, so here are my rankings for the kills in Fear Street 1994. Starting off at the bottom at number six was Peter, who also earned six points. Peter was very boring, and honestly, I keep forgetting that his kill was even in this movie. At number five was Nurse Betty. I really, part of me almost wishes I put this a little bit higher, just because I do like the neck stabbing, because it does make me go, ugh, it does make me wince a lot. But Nurse Betty at number five was seven and a half points. And number four is Ryan with nine points. Uh... The most notable thing about this kill was the blood gushing out of his bullet wound. I, I did like that a lot. And again, I was very surprised with his death. And number three was Simon, again, also earning nine points. He won the tiebreaker with Ryan just because of how forceful that axe was. And axes are cooler weapons to be killed by than guns in horror movies. So, way to go, Simon. And number two, Heather. This was... And really awesome set piece. I enjoyed this a lot. Heather earned 11 points. It was just really good. And if there wasn't a more infamous kill of this, she would probably be number one. But at number one, we all knew it before you even press play. It's Kate with a perfect 15. It was shocking, graphic, and unique. I want more kills like this in horror movies. Ah, it was such a good kill. And that will conclude my kill grade for Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Hope that you got to enjoy this, and thank you so much for listening. I also wanted to say that just because I didn't think very highly of this movie doesn't mean you should. It's totally okay to have your own opinion and like a movie or dislike a movie. In the immortal words of Eric Sitska, it's okay to like a movie, and it's also okay to not like a movie. I want to give a special thank you to Shelly, who is a supporter over my Buy Me A Coffee page. Please consider checking that out. There are links in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at BruckerHorror, and please tag me in your posts about the episodes when you're listening to them or movies I cover. I, it really does help me out and gets me some exposure, and plus it gives me some nice little serotonin in my brain. Lastly, I'm going to ask if you could share me with a friend or rate me on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate that. 
I'll see you guys next week. Be sure to watch some good movies. Bye. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts to the true crime, horror, and conspiracy podcast, Terra Australis. Filled with lots of Aussie humour, you'll be able to get your weekly dose of sarcastic horror stories and true crime cases. Find us on all major streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Or check the link tree found on our Instagram at Terra Australis Podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you.